There's devotion 759, I think. Yeah. Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Within Eastern mysticism, there's this idea of karma. It says if you do bad things, bad things happen to you. If you do good things, good things happen to you. But this idea of karma is incongruous with the gospel. As Christians, we believe the polar opposite of karma. We believe that we receive what we don't deserve, that is heaven. And we don't receive what we do deserve, and that is hell. However, on rare occasions within the biblical narrative, you do see God administer some modicum of retributive justice this side of death. It's not the full extent of what Abimelech should reap for the sin that he's sown, but it is a sense of justice, particularly in the era of the judges. Remember, Gideon, also known as Jeroboam, when you hear the name Jeroboam in this section, remember that's Gideon, Gideon expressly decreed that he would not become, he formally declined his own coronation, and he decreed that none of his sons would be king. And yet now his son Abimelech has manipulated his way into his own coronation, murdered 69 of the 70 of his own brothers, but one of them survived, that's Jotham. Jotham gave us this parable. We saw that in previous devotions. And now Jotham is going to give the interpretation of his own parable. This is Judges chapter 9, verse 16. Now, if you have acted faithfully and honestly in making Abimelech king, they didn't. If you have done well by Jeroboam, that's Gideon, and his family, and if you have rewarded him appropriately for what he did, for my father fought for you, risked his life, and rescued you from Midian. And now you have attacked my father's family today, killed his 70 sons on top of a large stone, and made Abimelech, the son of his slave woman, uh, according to chapter 8, verses 30 and 31, uh, things go off the rails when men of God are unfaithful to their wives. Gideon had concubines. One of them bore Abimelech. Uh, the son of his slave woman, king over the citizens of Shechem, because he is your brother. You can see the quotation marks here. That is true to the original text. It's uh, Jotham's being, he's, he's sort of mocking what they're saying. Because he is your brother. What's funny about that is that Abimelech really is Jotham's half-brother. So if you have acted faithfully and honestly with Jeroboam and his house this day, rejoice in Abimelech, and may he also rejoice in you. Okay, so verses 16 through 19, they're all sarcastic. Here's where he really is going to drive home the point. Remember how his parable ended. He has like the olive tree, the grapevine, the fig tree, and none of them is willing to step up and lead. And so the bramble, the thorn bush takes over and a fire comes from it, consuming even the majestic cedars of Lebanon. But if not, may fire come from Abimelech and consume the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo. And may fire come from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and consume Abimelech. All right, so uh, I've read a couple of different commentaries and they, they sort of uh, diverge on this. This is the, Beth Milo is only mentioned three times in scripture and it's, it's always in proximity to Shechem. And so there's some that believe it's a village nearby. Uh, one archaeologist uh, found a large stone that he thinks could be this very stone, possibly the one from Joshua. Likely the one that's mentioned here in Judges. Those two could be one and the same. Beth Milo uh, could be like the wealthy area within Shechem. That's what one, that's what one archaeologist uh, believes based on the discovery of a massive stone. It's like five feet tall and 16 inches wide, having cracked in half. But it's still, you could tell that it was as tall as it is wide. 
and it's near an oak tree or uh, something like that and near something looking like a fortress that could be Beth Milo. Either way, here he turns his own parable uh, into its reciprocal. Right? He says, may the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo consume Abimelech. So within the parable, the bramble, the thorn bush that was Abimelech, had fire that came out and consumed majestic cedars. But now within Jotham's application of his own parable, he's saying that fire would come from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and consume Abimelech. Okay? Abimelech may have actually liked that parable in its original iteration. Yep, I'm going to burn everything down if you don't keep me as your king. His reign's only going to last three years. There's going to be a coup against him that's going to fail. That's coming up in our upcoming devotions. But here on this, this bloody day, uh, Jotham has given this parable that Abimelech may have actually kind of liked until this point in the text, wherein now Jotham causes, uh, speaks this curse from Mount Gerizim, by the way, where uh, you know, it was supposed to be blessings proclaimed. Now he proclaims that same fire would come back on Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Beer, and lived there because of his brother Abimelech. Okay, I know this just straight up says Beer. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Beer, and it means well in, uh, in Hebrew. Now comes the temporal retributive justice, which is a fancy way of saying uh, comeuppance in this lifetime. When Abimelech had ruled over uh, Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. They treated Abimelech deceitfully so that the crime against the 70 sons of Jeroboam, it's Gideon, might come to justice and their blood would be avenged on their brother Abimelech, who killed them, and on the citizens of Shechem, who had helped him kill his brothers. The citizens of Shechem rebelled against him by putting men in ambush on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed everyone who passed by them on the road. So this was reported to Abimelech. This is describing kind of the status quo, uh, status quo of things throughout the book of Judges. You'll remember that Deborah sort of decried the cultural state of things by showing that people didn't want to travel on the roads. Uh, that's a bad sign. If you don't feel like the roads are safe, if you can't travel anywhere without getting mugged, man, you're in, you're in bad shape. That's indicative of uh, a spiritual problem within a culture. And the same thing is true today, right? If you don't feel safe walking the streets of Seattle, all right, and there's reason for that. There are members of our church who have just been attacked just walking down the street. That's indicative of a spiritual problem. It's symptomatic of a spiritual failure, all right? That's not a governance issue. That's a spiritual issue. And here, speaking of the spiritual issue, we can see that God is the one who incited this spiritual issue, I know you're all probably looking at verse 23 and saying, like, how in the world does that work? God sent an evil spirit. Now, notice it says, between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem, they treated Abimelech deceitfully. Now, God does not tempt us. This is God allowing demonic forces to do what they've wanted to do, like the demonic forces that wanted to, the legion of demons that wanted to leave the man and, and uh, inhabit the, the herd of pigs that ran off a cliff in Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, these demons were wanting to do this anyway. And so God in his sovereignty allows it, all right? So it, in, in essence, you can say that Jesus sent the demons into the pigs because they requested it. 
Here, we see the text explicitly says that God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem. What's all the more striking about that is that these evil spirits are like, it's the same force of evil, it's the same side of the morality equation that tempted Abimelech into all of this. Those evil spirits that tempt you into that sort of the Abimelech's wrongful coup are the same spirits that will turn on you after your coup is a success. Those same spirits that tempt you into the situation will then set the situation on fire. It will feel at first as though things are going well. You'll experience pleasure. You'll experience what seems like success. And then you'll see that it's all sabotage. That was, a, that was Abimelech's experience because God saw the whole thing going down. Gideon was right. Everything looked really good. And then he goes wayward. He takes concubines and then everything falls downhill. And now one of his sons with one of his concubines is on the polar opposite of what uh, Gideon had decreed. All the while, evil was waiting. It was prowling around, looking for someone to devour it, found Abimelech, attempted Abimelech to manipulate his way into power. And then once he's in power, sowed discord among the people. And so the people turned on Abimelech. You can see in verses 22 through 25 exactly what Jotham had spoken in verse 20 when he speaks, you know, the 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 reciprocity, as it were, of, of his curse uh, from his parable into being. You can see that it, it comes true. What was prophesied in verse 20, what was the, the curse that was pronounced in verse 20 by Jotham is realized in verses 22 through 25. God is sovereign, all right? He sees the sabotage, and he tries to deliver us from it. We do have free will, but it's not quite what you and I might make of it. Really, all that we have to show for our free will is giving in to temptation. God does not tempt us, but he allows us to be tempted. In all of this, we could see Abimelech's chickens coming home to roost. Can you tell I'm from the south? If you see your reflection in Abimelech and you have built a business around deceit, watch out. Watch out, man. Look at Abimelech. The same evil that tempted you into that is going to set the whole thing on fire once you're there. The fire that you spread is going to come back on you. Now, God doesn't always bring about this kind of retributive justice in this lifetime. The ultimate sense of justice is judgment day. Go figure. Judgment. Justice. Get it? That's the day where the sheep and the goats are separated, the wheat and the weeds are separated. And for all eternity, those who are in Christ receive what they do not deserve, paradise and the direct presence of God. It's like Eden, but rebellion-proof and lasts forever. And then those of us who are not in Christ experience exactly what we deserve. We are judged according to our works, and every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may or may not experience the full justice of what you've done wrong in this lifetime. You may have gotten away with something years ago, but Deuteronomy 31 teaches explicitly, do not be deceived. Your sin will cry you out. Uh, uh, your, your sin will uh, find you out. Moreover, think back to the very first murder ever between Cain and Abel. Your brother's blood cries up from the ground. You can see that also in this text here. Do you see it in your own life? Have you become very adept at covering your tracks? Have you become very skilled at covering up past sin? 
be warned by the story of Abimelech. Repent, make things right, and ask God for mercy. Beat your chest and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Moreover, look at the candor of Jotham, his willingness to say exactly what the truth was. He seemed to be the only truth speaker in this whole culture. He's the only one who spoke on God's behalf. Everybody else was a bunch of mealy-mouthed gossips. Instead, Jotham is speaking the truth. And he's doing so, by the way, with a little bit of mockery. Did you notice that in the opening of it? So Jotham is speaking the truth. He does so cleverly, packaged in a parable, and then he hightails it out of town before they turn on him too because he knows he's speaking to people who are rebelling against God right now. So learn from Jotham. Speak the truth and protect your family. Learn from Abimelech. It is absolutely within God's prerogatives to bring retributive justice in this lifetime for sins that you've committed. So would you confess? Would you repent? Would you receive the mercy of God? And instead of reaping the full whirlwind of sin that you've sown, would you instead experience mercy and grace and repentance in Jesus' name? 